and welcome to the Joe Rest Podcast, episode 11, recorded on the evening of the 20th of May, 2015. I'm Joe, and with me as always is Isaac. Hello! <laughs> with me as always, just like Garth. So uh, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. What have you been up to, man? Uh, what? I've actually been like pretty busy these past couple of weeks. I So I'm pretty big on the meetup scene, and I went to the DC Lug Linux user group meeting. That was the first, the first one. Okay. That, uh, I guess they started doing and, uh, there was like 15 people there. So <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. That's more than I met when I went to the London one. So yeah, it was pretty cool. You know, the guy there that hosted, um, he's using like, I think a lot of red hat fedora stuff for work. And he was just kind of showing us this and that. I think it was like OpenStack and this, you know, just some random stuff that was pretty cool. And then he let me talk for a minute. So I got there and I talked about like, cause there was like one guy in particular that was like new to Linux, like very new, but he was kind of a little worried about being there. So I kind of showed him the magazines I like was reading. They kind of helped me bridge that gap. And then I showed everybody, you know, Linux mint. And that's what I, you know, I use And Then put in a plug for Mintcast and Luddites and the Joe rest show. Nice. Good work. Yeah. Had it cha-ching had to do my thing. And then, uh, then I started talking about like the, uh, the reglue project here in Houston that uh, Ken Starks, I think his name's doing, we're giving out, you know, Linux computers for charity. So I shot yeah. that idea by them. They seem pretty, uh, I don't know, favorable to it. So I think we might do like the next meetup might talk more about that. And yeah, then, it's kind of an underprivileged area, isn't it? There's a lot of underprivileged kids around that area of Washington and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's just like any city, but you know, with the bigger cities, there's like definitely areas that are underprivileged, you know, and that was kind of the places I was like wanting to target more or less, you know, talking to teachers to be like, Hey, I know you have a few gifted students that you kind of say, I wish they had a good, you know, just better circumstances, you know, then we'll give them a computer, but we're kind of hashing out ideas, how to do support and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool. Then I started reading up on the raspberry Pi. Talked to you a little bit about it. I need to order one and get off my rear and do that soon. Then I saw that, there is no Pi meetup for DC, so I started one, and that's going pretty good. We got about 60-something members so far. Okay. And one of the guys hit me up for a presentation where he had basically taken part of Game Boy and using LEDs was playing Flappy Bird with a Raspberry Pi inside of it. Nice. So I think he's going to give a talk. And then also, I reached out to the Mint development team and fi- finally got in touch with someone who gave me a feature bug to work on. So I've been trying to work on that as well. Oh, it sounds like you've been really busy. Yeah, yeah. The Mint stuff I need to get more busy on. The meetup's kind of just a work in progress, kind of letting it build up. And then the lug kind of finally, that's been waiting for the longest. But besides that, too, I've just been reading Python, C programming, Raspberry Pi, you know, fun stuff. That's my life. <laughs> Fair enough. It's funny you talk about that lug there and people giving talks. That doesn't sound like the lug meeting I went to. It was just people drinking in a pub talking about Linux. So well, I know that like traditionally that they kind of get together and have a speaker or try and solve each other's problems. But I think the Greater London lug has been going so long now that there's not many people going there anymore. And it's quite loosely um, organized and people just say, oh, let's meet in the pub and talk about whatever sort of thing. Yeah, there's a few that do that, and then this one was more, well, this was the first one, so I think there's like 160 members, it looked like there was like 30 people supposed to go, and then like 15 showed up, 
And uh, so I think like the guy was saying, he kind of thought about maybe doing the next one in a bar, but he just wanted to get a feel for like what everybody's looking for, wanting out of it kind of attitude. So and it was just kind of a hodgepodge and we just kind of talked. Fair enough. So yeah, what have you been up to, buddy? Uh, what have I been up to? I didn't do Mintcast this week because I was busy. Did they even do Mintcast this week? Yeah. I didn't see anything in the show notes or anything saying I was doing it live. Yeah, I don't know. They, As far as I know, they did it in my absence. I'd have to wait for a few days and wait till it comes out and listen to it. And I did Linux Luddites with just me and Paddy, which was a bit strange after kind of more than half the time now with Jesse. It was weird to not have him. It meant like we had to actually explain the stories because that's what Jesse does mostly, kind of, uh, well, not mostly, but like in, that's a role that he has taken up is in the news. He'll kind of give all the details. Um, and it just means that I don't have to do any work, basically. I just kind of read it and form an opinion and state my opinion, whereas he kind of like makes notes and does all the um, the hard <laughs> facts and everything. So, yeah, he was he was missed, but he'll be back this time. And I've been playing with a new phone as well, which I suppose I could talk a little bit about. I've kind of been trying to keep it to myself. Normally when I play with new toys, I uh, post all about it on Twitter and stuff, but... Um, it's the, a Tizen phone anyway from India, the oh, Samsung Z. Oh, really? Really? I remember you saying something. Is this what you talked about Luddites a little bit? Uh, yeah, I think so. We were talking about hopefully we we're going to get it. We've been waiting for it because one of Jesse's work colleagues um, is from India and his wife and kids went back to visit family for uh, a month or so. And um, then when they came back over, they brought it uh, with them. And so we managed to save like loads of hassle with import tax and shipping and all that sort of stuff and so we got it pretty cheap which is cool and i uh, used it for a few days and then and jesse's been using it and now it's with paddy and he's checking it out so uh yeah we'll be talking about that when we record uh, in a few days sweet so should we um get on with not really much news but just some random topics i suppose yeah let's do it so the first thing to talk about we talked about groove shark and the death of it last time well I was reading Ars Technica this week, and it seems that an arms race started. They took down GrooveShark.com, and then it's just all of those weird domains like GS and LI and uh, stuff. One goes up, one comes down, one goes up, one comes down. Um, But the longest one that's kind of been up for the longest is GrooveShark.li, and it's not exactly the same site, but it's a similar idea where you can stream music. It doesn't seem to have quite as much music as before, but it's certainly still a useful tool. So that's just a quick, uh, quick tip there, GrooveShark.li. And if anyone knows of any better ones, I'm still looking for something that was as good as the original, but no one got in touch. So I presume that either no one's listening or there isn't one. <laughs> I'd say it's uh, no one's listening. That's <laughs> mm. Seems more likely, yeah. You know what's funny is is this is I watched a story about that uh, synthetic marijuana and how they like outlaw a certain chemical and then like someone will make a new chemical and add in and technically it's not illegal to, you know to have that and this is almost yeah. that same concept of like groovesharp.com shut down but groovesharp.io is up you know and it's like are you serious <laughs> Yeah exactly yeah I mean it's the same with the, the legal highs not necessarily marijuana but like just chemical ones and they'll outlaw one and then they'll just as you say, add a little bit of different chemical to it. Oh, yeah, was it, make it uh, bath salts, that they're called? Yeah, that's the kind of the thing. Yeah, they sell them as like fertilizers and 
stuff and they're not officially highs and i don't know you'd have to be a bit mental to take those legal highs i think when you can just buy proper drugs from a, a drug dealer <laughs> to show you how nerdy i am uh every now and then you know i'll take like a warm bath and soak in that epsom salt oh, and yeah. uh that's bath salt and i remember i was watching the news a long time ago and they're talking about outlawing bath salts and i told my girlfriend like i can't believe someone is smoking my salts i just want to <laughs> soak in them and she's I like know. she's like that is a slang term there buddy i was like oh what <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's literally those salts that you put in your bath. But. Going on that same note, uh, another funny story. I had a fr- in, in in the states we call marijuana trees sometimes, you know. And okay. uh, I had a buddy who's super nerd went to a party in high school, and they're like, "You gonna bring some trees?" And he's like, "Sure, man." And he actually brought some tree branches, and it was. Like- <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice! I bet he uh, was the life of the party. Eh? Oh yeah, he, he was like, I pretty much turned around and left. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Right, so that was kind of all the news that was worth talking about. But you dug up this strange question. One of the news sites I, you know, on a daily basis, I guess, cruise over is Al Jazeera, you know, America. They have a show called Fault Lines. It's really good. And they won their episodes coming up. So I tried to watch this one in particular, but it's not out yet. So it's coming up. Was talking about the fact of like, if I, get, I don't know if they're going to, you can't obviously make this pill, but if there was to be able to make a pill that allowed you to live up to 10,000 years old, would you take it? And um, this is kind of building on a lot of other concepts. So I kind of threw in a little bumper for something I read about today, which was uh, they're making 3D printed skin now. Yeah, that's kind of freaky, isn't it? That 3D printed skin. I had a buddy that was kind of like really thought the same thing, but I thought if you're a burn victim, there is no better a treatment or a potential person before this than this idea right here, you know, to where, you know, cause I couldn't imagine getting like third degree burns all across your body. It's going to really alter your, your life completely. But if you're able to make 3d printed skin, you know, that's definitely like a step in the right direction. It's better in my mind than making 3d printed guns, which is what some people are doing. <laughs> I don't yeah. understand that. But, but anyway, going back to the question is, is I only watched a little bit of the, the bumper video for it, which has had a bunch of like scientists talking about like extending life. And this is actually becoming a bigger topic with like every one of the Silicon Valley like CEOs. They're trying to like defeat death and live for, you know, ever, so to speak. So I guess my question is to you, Joe, would you take a pill that would allow you to live up to 10 for the next 10,000 years? Well, it depends. Would it allow me to live for the next 10,000 years like I am now? Or would I get to like 70, 80, 90 and be like really just, you know, in a terrible state and have all sorts of medical issues, but then not die for another 10,000 years? So I think that's the big question. Do you get to live a healthy life for 10,000 years or, you know, are you going to be old and just, you know, in a terrible state? I'd say for the sake of argument, and of course, in my mind too, no one's going to make a pill to be like, hey man, you can live to 10,000 years. But unfortunately, when you hit 80, you're going to be 80. And if you think that's old, wait till you get to like 500. And yeah. wait till you see those hospital bills, because they're going to be really bad. You know, so I'm pretty sure that the, the concept, but see, the thing is, I don't know if, I know this is where the 3D printed skin comes back into play. I've read stuff where they're making, uh, well, there was a kid I saw that. He lost his arm in some car accident. He's like eight years old. And the, you know, the parents go to the hospital. You give him like a synth, you know, another arm and a robotic arm. And it's going to cost like upwards into the thousands of dollars. And some college students used a 3D printer and other robots class and made him an arm for like $200. 
and the kids oh, like wow. loving it. So that's kind of like this 3D printed technology is definitely like starting to become more prevalent. And I think this is what, and that goes on that story of the CEOs of Silicon Valley. They're trying to make stuff that can repair your body as you continually live. But I think 10,000 years is like, I see like 150 to 200 being like the new norm in maybe a 40 years, we'll say. I don't know. That's pushing a lot of stuff though. Well, I don't know about that. I think that in another couple of hundred years, then yeah, 150, 200 could be the norm with stuff like this 3D printed skin and replacement of organs and, you know, whether it's 3D printing them uh, or growing them in a lab or whatever. And, you know, when your heart packs up, you get a new one. When your liver packs up, you get a new one. And I could see that you could extend people's lives that far, but 10,000 years seems an awfully long way off. I mean, you'd have to get into the kind of transhumanism stuff for that to work out when you'd have to be talking about implanting your consciousness into a machine okay so let's just say that you took a pill and now you can live for ten thousand years i mean i don't know what i would do for ten thousand years i mean that's a long time to be like hey you know what by the way so so if you also if you're a christian you can't kill your so christianity looks at suicide like you, you you'll go to hell so if you take this pill it's like, hey, buddy, you're, for the next 10,000 years, you're alive, you know? So now you can't, the only way else to kill yourself because you've, got, you've taken this pill no matter what. And 10,000 years is a long, long time. Yeah, I don't know. I would do it, definitely. I mean, if I could afford it and it was a practical reality, then I would definitely do it because I'm scared of death, like most people. It's my, the primary instinct. You, you know, it's like you've got various instincts to breathe and to eat and drink and to, you know, have sex and stuff. But the primary instinct is to survive, isn't it? So I would imagine that almost everyone would go in for this. If you took it, what would you would you still do the podcast? I mean, would your mindset change on what you're trying to do with your life now? I don't know. That's a very difficult question. I suppose I would just have to continue. And I suppose I'd try and be healthier, maybe. But I, I don't know. It, who knows what would happen until you actually did it? But... I think the reality is, if you did live for that long, then you just live the same life that you're living now, going to work, having hobbies, you know, trying to have fun when you can, going out drinking, whatever. Uh, and instead of for 70 or 80 years, it'd be for 10,000 years. I don't think that somehow, because I had that uh, effectively immortality going for me, I don't think that my life would ultimately change very much. It'd give me like more time to accumulate money and maybe eventually get rich. But if everyone else was doing the same thing, then you know it would just mean that the population would expand exponentially apart from anything else, unless people were suddenly outlawed from breeding, which uh, I think there should be now anyway. But that's a different <laughs> story. But do you see what I mean? Like I, don't, I just don't think that it would make much difference. I think at first, my, nothing would really change. But I think things would slowly start changing i don't know i don't know if i'd become more wanting to do bigger things or if i would be like kick my feet up and kind of let things come as they go i'd just be more interested in seeing the future really and just waiting around to see what happened i mean you know even in our lifetimes computers have gone from being quite an obscure thing to being in our pockets and you know that's just the consumer side of things technology has moved on to 3d printing potentially growing organs and stuff in the lab and, you know, in 10,000 years, if we are still around, if we haven't nuked ourselves and had World War Three, like we talked about last time, I think, then can you imagine what it's going to be like? And I'd just like to stick around and just see that, really. Say you lived in, like, 
the more well-to-do area of the world, and only there the pill was offered. And then it would be really hard to sit back and watch like suffering going on around the world when you know that there. I don't. I don't know. You know, like you'd have too much time to think. Literally, is what I feel like. But what about the the thing about technology taking off and you being left behind? I mean, it's bad enough now already at the age that I am. I'm starting to see things in technology that I'm not keeping up with, you know, like Snapchat and stuff like that. And I'm sure there's loads of other stuff that the kids that are down with uh, that I have no clue about, like Minecraft. Just I don't get why all the kids play that. It just seems like rubbish graphics and whatever. So I'm already feeling a little bit out of touch and a bit like get off my lawn. So what would that be like in another 10,000 years, man? Yeah, that's, that's really a question. I have no idea, you know, at that point, technology would be. Yeah, I mean, like my grandma, for example, who's still alive, she has got a mobile phone, like a dumb phone, and can make calls just about and receive calls just about. But uh, when you call her, she doesn't know it's you calling because she hasn't saved your number. Um, she, doesn't, she can receive texts but doesn't know how to send them. And I mean, she's pretty old and whatnot, so it's not a huge surprise. But like you, stuff we take for granted, she's got no clue about. And she's only like, I don't know, not even that much older than me relative in this scale that we're talking about. So by after 200 years, you're just going to be like walking around having no clue. You know, you're going to be there with an iPhone or an Android phone and everyone else is just going to have like things directly in their brain that you don't even know about. So. I think it'd be just really scary, really, to live that long. Yeah, I agree. I don't think... Actually, the more I think about it, I don't think I would take the pill. <laughs> Have I talked you out of it? Yeah, I think you've totally talked me out of it. I would be like, is there a, a negative 10,000 years? Because I just want to die now. Like, is there- <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd quite like to be sort of frozen and then wake up in 10,000 years and see what's happened. Okay, so I agree with you on that, but that's only if, like, the setting is... And, and you only think about that, like, I'd love to be in where the society's perfect. You know, you don't want to wake up and it's like, hey, by the way, we've killed all the humans. There's a bunch of aliens and the humans that are here are slaves and we found you. So guess what? You know, so I yeah. guess if I was to wake up and like, don't like it have to have like a hammer on the outside of my thing. Like, don't open unless perfect society is occurring outside. <laughs> we talk about the aliens being in control, but what's more likely than that is surely machines and artificial intelligence. And um, I don't know, watching Ex Machina this week, it seems to have really reinforced that. Real quick, if you're a listener and you haven't seen Ex Machina, you might want to be wary of continuing on the podcast until a later point. Because I got a feeling we're going to drop some spoiler bombs and alerts. So just heads up to the listeners on this one. Because we, we both watched Ex Machina this, this uh, past couple of weeks and we we're going to talk about it on the show. So just an alert. Yeah, I mean, I'll try not to be too spoilery. I mean, for those who don't know anything of what we're talking about, the story is uh, a coder in a company, like a software developer, working for essentially what is Google, I think, um, or similar big search engine company, uh, gets invited to the boss's, uh, what would you call it? I don't know, home. ranch. Yeah, yeah, ranch is a good word, yeah, home. Home, yeah. and like at the very beginning, this isn't a spoiler, He's in the helicopter going to it, and he says to the helicopter pilot, "So, like, when are we going to be flying over as a state? Then are we going to are we nearly there?" And he's like, <laughs>, laughs at him and says, "We've been flying over it for two hours now, so it's like, extremely remote." I think they filmed it in Norway. I think yeah, it's a famous hotel where it was all. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah, where it's all set up in because I've been reading up on it a little bit. 
Yeah, oh, I think okay. you're right. Netherlands, Norway is somewhere up in that beautiful area of the world. Yeah. But anyway, so he goes and he meets the, the boss of the company, who is a bit of a strange one, to say the least. And uh, the boss explains to him, I mean, this is, all happens in the first five minutes, pretty much. <laughs> Real quick, he might be strange, but he's a great dancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's a pretty good boxer as well. You see that, yes, first yeah. of all. Him, the first thing you see of him is just like beating on this punch bag. Um, and he basically explains to the, the main protagonist that he's here to take part in the Turing test uh, with an artificial intelligence. And I, I like the, the exposition of the, the Turing test thing. Like he says to him, do you know what the Turing test is? He's like, yeah, I know what that is. And I just thought they were just going to move on. And he just like, looks at him as if to say, we need to explain this to the audience now. And he goes, oh, okay, then. It's, and then explains what the Turing test is. So um, I'm going to assume that everyone knows what it is, but do you know what the Turing test is, Isaac? Yes, I do. I'm looking at you like he's looking at the guy. Yes, yeah, so that's why I was kind of playing that part of the movie. Like, <laughs> we're going to move on now. <laughs> no, go on quickly for those who don't know. It is where basically you try to figure out if you're talking to a machine or human. And if the machine fools you and think it's a human, then the machine is uh, passed the Turing test. I guess it has achieved AI. I don't know if that, that last part's true. but Well, consciousness, uh, I don't know. What what does it achieve? I mean, that is one of the questions the movie asks, isn't it? Is Well, so recently there was, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, no, well, not who, my bad. There was a couple of guys who wrote, I'll, I'll put this in, I'll send it to you, Joe, so we'll put the show notes. Some people passed the Turing test a few, maybe about a year ago, and some guy from Google like drilled it, and but they they went on the premise that it was a thirteen year old boy you were talking to, so they perfectly played up the uh, your mama, you know, and stuff. And uh, it fooled, I think, enough people. I think it's three people do this. I can't remember, but they fooled two out of the three, thinking they were really talking to a human. But you can see this thing online. I'm going to have to Google it here in a minute, and you can actually try it out for yourself because uh, I think Ray Kurzweil, like Google's head. Uh, I don't know how to even word him, but anyway, head profit. If you want to look him that way, he like drilled this uh, Turing test up and down, and like you know proved it wasn't anything good at all. You know, so it wasn't really, you know, I mean, I guess a sufficient Turing test or AI for it, but I don't know. So then that people are kind of arguing now, like, oh well, should we improve the Turing test or try and make make it better? Yeah, and I mean, he kind of plays fast and loose with the Turing test in this movie and he, the main protagonist guy says to him, you know, uh, I'm not supposed to know it's a robot. It's kind of supposed to be double blinded, isn't it? That, you know, you, you have to interface with it in some other way. Like, um, the, the classic way is kind of like I am messaging, you know, like a, a chat window where you're talking to it and then you wouldn't know whether it's a machine or not. But the, the robot in this is clearly a robot. So it kind of defeats the object. He knows it's a, a robot. And so he's trying to talk to her because it's, it looks like a female robot and he's trying to speak to her, but the test is flawed like from the outset, isn't it? Because he knows it is an artificial intelligence. Well, that kind of goes into, I, I talked to some, a, a guy at work watched this as well. And we were talking about it and for the movie, I like the premise of the movie, which is kind of like that robotics book we kind of plugged on the last show, talked about the same concept, which is human nature, it's easy to associate feelings for like nothing, you know, kind of like when I got rid of my first car, I was like, oh man, I can't believe I'm doing that to this car, you know, but the car isn't alive, like it gives a, you know, it doesn't care. And 
So in that drone robotics book, they were saying that the purpose of bomb diffusing robots is so that they can go out there and get blown up. And that's that, you know, no one dies and, you know, they save human life. But they said that in the course of that, they noticed that there was a one platoon in particular robot, uh, their bomb diffusing robot had been to hell and back, you know. And so one day when they're out there doing it, something in the middle of a firefight, it, bre- it breaks down. <laughs> so then they go out there and rush out there and save it, which, <laughs> which in reality, it's just a refrigerator. It's just a robot. Blow it up. No one cares. But they didn't see it that way. They saw it as like a member of their platoon. They weren't going to leave him behind for anything, which defeats the whole purpose of why they made these bomb diffusing robots. And building on that idea... It's it's one thing for like when I was a kid, my Nintendo wasn't working or my computer and I slap I slap it around or throw it. No one cares. But if I had a robotic dog and I didn't tell you it was a robotic dog and I kicked it, you're pretty sure someone's going to kick your butt for doing that out in public. Or if I had like a female companion who was a robot, but looked human and you didn't know that. And I like hit the hit her, you know, hit the crap out of her whenever she starts malfunctioning. I'm pretty sure in public you're going to get, you know beat up for that so that's kind of what this this movie's kind of building on that is the fact that i can show you it's a robot now the and this is what i think the movie's going on the real turing test is not that is it a robot or not it's the fact is hey it is a robot but can you understand that can you disassociate your feelings from that because you're going to put feelings toward it like it's another human pretty quick and he does that with like the the pretty face and yeah. the way it interacts because you could put like a face of a, uh, like a, a pig on there and he would have never cared about trying to like help her out you know so the minute he makes a pretty face and he mentions that in the movie, like, you know, based on his search, you know, porn searches and stuff. So he kind of really, and he got the perfect guy, you know, like no girl family, kind of someone who's going to associate feelings with this robot really quick. And that's the point is that's why I took from it anyway, was the real test now is, can you not put feelings with this thing? Yeah. And inevitably, I mean, you knew from, it's not really a spoiler, is it? To say that uh, he was going to, have feelings for this thing because they deliberately made it, as you say, a good looking woman. And the minute she starts covering up her robotness with a dress and a wig, apart from the fact that that was clearly for budgetary reasons and they didn't want to pay for the CGI for the whole movie. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. You know, that's so true. <laughs> that's what I was just thinking. Oh, okay. Right. They wanted to save a few quid. Cause it's, it, you can see that it's quite a low budget movie. Can't you? It's all the, the cast is v- very limited. You've got the helicopter guy, uh, the robot, the assistant, uh, the boss guy, and the main guy. So that handful of people. And the the location is all in one place, mostly. So it's very low budget. And all of the budget was spent on the CGI, I get the feeling. So where they could cut corners there made sense. But, yeah, the, with the second that she started to look, you know, when she put the wig on, I was like, okay, right, yeah, this is clearly he's going to fall in love with her. And we're going to have to see how they deal with that. And I, I don't I, without getting too spoilery, I don't know. Um, it was obvious, wasn't it, what was going to happen? But then the, there is a twist at the end, and I didn't see that coming. Did you? Well, I did only because I, I don't have like, the attention span to watch movies, really. So I immediately, when I saw it was cool, it ate me up too much. And I just went on Movie Spoiler, which is the greatest website for someone like me. So the thing is, though, is I read all about it, knew it was going to happen, but when I watched it, I still didn't, like, you know, I didn't understand it was going to be quite this kind of movie, you know? I was like, wow, because this is definitely up my wheelhouse, you know, AI stuff and coding. So I, like, understood kind of what he's getting at with some of this. I didn't see, I, so I knew it was coming. 
I just didn't know it was kind of it's still though it played out a whole different way than what I read you know I was like wow even though I knew the ending I was like this is still really good the way this all came together in the end and it's I think they did a great job of having it's funny because the main guy or the the Google founder we'll call him he is human yet the robot is easier to talk to and more likable and he is the he plays the perfect drunk ass that can't talk to anyone, you know, or someone you can't get along with. Like one of the, there's so many funny parts too in that movie. One of them is when in the beginning he's, he made the robot and he meets her and he tells the guys like, you know, you're, 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 you're godlike when you made that. And then the next morning the guy's like, you're so quotable. It's like the other day when he told me, but you know, when you made the robot, you're like God. And he's like, I didn't say that. Like, Anyway, when he told me I was God, I thought that was a good line for our book. It was like, what? <laughs> yeah, because it stayed, uh, what did they say? Like, um, you, you hear the, uh, a, a big moment in the history of man and science, and he said, no, it's kind of the history of gods. And like, he twists that round to being, you called me God, basically. And yeah, just he's totally self-centered and arrogant, but a kind of uh, justified arrogance, isn't it? Because he's some sort of child genius who then went on to found essentially Google or potentially even a company that would rival Google. Yeah. Then he lives like by himself surrounded, you know, with, uh, you know, technology we will say without, you know, so I think, I think I would love to see another, another take on this movie. Cause in the beginning he makes him sign that, uh, disclose non-disclosure agreement. And he makes the comment of like, well, you don't have to sign it. We just sit here and drink all weekend. I would love to see that movie where they just, <laughs> where he's let's like, I don't, and, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just hang out. And he's just the whole rest of the time. He's like, would you just sign this? And he's like, no. And then finally the last day, he's like, okay, I'll sign it. Like, what makes no sense now? You got to leave tomorrow. So it's like, <laughs> I can't help it. I have to keep talking about this one part. I love it so much because he's like, what were you doing in our room? You know, why'd you rip up her pictures? He's like, what? I'm about to rip up his dance floor. <laughs> I really watched that part like five times. I was crying laughing because I was like, what the hell am I watching? And then he goes to this dance. And I'm like, what? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I know it was a bit strange, but I mean, there were quite a number of plot holes, I thought, in the whole thing. If you really look at it from a kind of uh, analytical point of view, a lot of it doesn't really make sense. Like especially the end as well. Like how did that happen? And, um, you know, so, some of the more mechanical aspects of it, but I think that it wasn't really about that. Was it, it was, it's kind of trying to say, this is more about themes and trying to make you think about it and the actual reality of some of these things, you just have to switch your brain off a little bit before. Yeah. Yeah. You're, t- you're totally right. That's why I said it was at my wheelhouse, you know, cause it's not like Terminator where like there's AIs for sure, but we're definitely going to shoot them up. And, uh, this is more of just a thought process, you know, like of the whole, cause there's, there's, there's a really super weird part where he sees the logs of his past projects. And that's when I was like, what in the hell has been this guy been up to? Cause one of them was like screaming to let me out. Mm. And, the, and the Google guy's like, here we go again. You know, not this job. <laughs> yeah. Cause so, like, you don't realize it at first, but obviously there must've been prototypes. Oh yeah. Well, you know, when that one part he, he's watching for the first time and he writes down like a, a, a sticky note. And his walls covered in them, you know, like hundreds of them. Yeah. So I would love to see like a part two of this movie where like uh, the coder dude's a robot, you know, or something like that nature. But yeah, I mean, that that's what I thought the twist was going to be. And like at one point he he starts to think maybe I'm a robot as well. And like 
Oh, well, that was my uh, my reading of that scene anyway, where he's kind of like really looking into his eyes and you know, like trying to pull the skin back and look behind and see if he really is a robot or what. Or, yeah, or, you're right. That's exactly what he was doing. I mean, but think about it, though, if you're if you're holed up like that, which now is going to make me think twice anytime I visit somewhere super desolate, super quiet, like is, is underneath me going on a Turing test. <laughs> and uh but yeah, I mean, if you're just stuck in that kind of world, you know, and you know, when he finds out about that uh girl, that's when he starts flipping out, you know, because that's when everything really starts taking off for him. He doesn't know what's what. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm trying to skirt around spoilers here. Like, I, I, we should have just decided whether to go full spoiler or not. And I'm trying to keep it spoiler free, but it's sort of impossible to talk about the film without spoiling it. Really, well, if you if you want to right now, we'll just put we'll just like we could put in a plug right now or a bumper. I mean, to be like spoiler alert. You know, starting now, we're actually going to talk about spoilers. So, yeah, okay. Um, I'll try and edit in how long we. Actually, no, I'm not going to do that. That's too much effort. Just, uh, just watch the f- pause. This, listen to something else, and then come back once you've watched the film, or s- spin on. I don't know. Skip a little bit in. I don't know, another like five, ten minutes or something. So, one of the major plot holes I thought was how did she get on the helicopter at the end? Because did she just use her feminine charms? On <laughs> That's what I was going to say, dude. She's hot, man. What are you talking about? I, I guess the the helicopter guy didn't know what he was supposed to pick up. You know, maybe. I mean, yeah, if I you're, I, I, that's that's. I don't know. What, what else did you think was a kind of plot hellish stuff? Well, just like some of the mechanics of the the robot. Like she's changing the arms, and then I, I knew you were going to bring that up. I was like, it's like, <laughs> an obvious seam, and then like suddenly there's just no seam there in the skin. Like, I just don't. And when she's kind of peeling off the skin and putting it on her, then how is that going to be realistic? Oh, and you. I'm glad you brought that up because this was. What I, I really. I also want to talk about this with you because and. It's the concept of this artificial intelligence that we're starting to create in society and what this proves. Because there's a part in the movie where she draws, she makes a drawing. And she it's beautiful. And she asks him what it is. And he's like, well, what is it? And she's like, I thought you could tell me, you know? So I feel like we've got this big problem. If we, if we do get crazy with AI, which we're slowly building that, getting crazier, I feel like there's a reason that you grow from like a kid to an adult because you need time to process everything. I yeah. think what we're going to screw up is like this movie where we unload a massive amount of data at one time and it's too much and they have to shift through it perfectly and learn it. But like, it's too much, you know, you know, you, I mean, I'm trying to say, I can't, I'm not explaining it too well, I'm afraid, but it's almost like it's too much data, but they have thoughts of this, but they don't know what they're doing. You know, as a kid, you don't have those thoughts. They just kind of, as time progresses, you learn through experience. It's like we've dumped experience on their lap and expect them to like slowly build into it. Instead, it's just like an overload of data, you know? Yeah. I'd not really thought about that, but that is a good point that maybe that 13 year old boy, um, AI is a good way to go and try and, well, the danger is that if you create an AI that's capable of learning, then it's not going to stop at 18, 20, 30, whatever it is that humans stop learning most. I mean, obviously you keep learning until you die, you learn new things and, learn something every day and all that. But essentially you don't get much more intelligent after you become of age, uh, you know, whether that's 21 or 30 or whatever. But if you were to make an AI that was capable of learning, then it's just never going to stop. And you end up with a Skynet situation. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. The movie, how um, 
he explained the brain how it worked. And I thought that was like the scariest, most honest thing I've ever heard, which was he was using the search engine as the brain. Yeah. And it hit me because I was like, that's so scary genius. Like, that's literally the best way you could develop an AI. And that's the eagle, e- easily the most you can learn about a human is through that. Because right now we've got big data and bio- biometric stuff. We don't know what the heck we're even doing with it. But I feel like this guy's idea with the brain is like spot on for where it could go. Yeah. And the thing about using the cameras and microphones in everyone's phones. <laughs> there was a good plot hole right there. What was the plot hole? You, what you just said, where he's like, I just turned on all the cameras around the world. And literally, that was it. We just said that and we walked away. <laughs> was- well, yeah, but right. Supposing that they're Google, he, he represents the head of Google, and they have got Android. There's enough proprietary stuff in Android for that to be real. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. You know, you're right there. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah, I mean, the people who are running CyanogenMod or whatever, maybe not. But the people who've got Google Play services running, there's literally no reason why Google couldn't be doing that. I mean, yeah, you could kind of Wireshark it and see that people, you know, that data is coming out of the device that you didn't want to be. But then again, I'm sure there's so much stuff going back to Google anyway that you probably couldn't tell that traffic from the, the normal stuff, the, the analytics and all, all of the stuff that they admit that they are, um, you know, gathering. So although I suppose it's a bit of a plot hole because someone would have found out. There's no way you couldn't know that. So I, I suppose, but I mean, that... <laughs> That's kind of like the whole thing with this film, isn't it? That like it's the, the bare minimum of exposition and the rest of it's just like, well, don't worry about the details. It's about the themes of it. Yeah, and I like that a lot better. You know, don't worry about the details because sometimes you get, you get muddied up in the details. You can lose yeah. somebody, you know, but I think it's other. But that's how that uh, that one podcast, How Did This Get Made, I listen to. They do a lot of that. You know, they, they kind of purposely look for the details that are getting left behind. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a, that was a good movie. You know, I think, it, and I told them, this is my take on it. I told my buddies at work, you'll love it. Don't take your girlfriend or your significant other or your wife because they're quickly going to be like my girlfriend was when we watched Blade Runner, <laughs> which was, is he having sex with this robot? Like, no. Does he want to have sex with this robot? No. I don't know. I think he does now. Well, <laughs> does that mean you would have sex with the robot? What are we talking about? I just want to watch this movie. And then in the end, when he does have sex, he's like, I told you you going to have sex with her. You're a weirdo because you want to have sex with robots. Like, will you please shut up? I just want to watch this movie. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, getting spoilery, basically, um, that's what the, the Google guy had been doing. I mean, it's funny. My, uh, my missus was in the room while I was watching it. She was kind of doing some other stuff. And she said, oh, right. So he's been building sex bots then. Yeah. <laughs> And, and yeah, then it was like, we had that conversation. So would you do that? And I'm like, heck yes. <laughs> I'd build a yeah. sex bot 5,000. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, can you dance like this? I didn't think so. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like how he says that she's got like, uh, you know, effectively working genitals and stuff and can feel pleasure and whatever. So yeah, I mean, I would totally build one if I could. Who wouldn't? I mean, it's just like a really, really fancy fleshlight. Um, not, not that I own one of those, but, uh, you know, if someone gave me one, yeah, let them sponsor us like they do with Kevin Smith. And I think I, that'd I, be a, a way better movie, which is like whenever the first time you see her come around the corner, if it's literally like two robotic legs, a flashlight and like a raspberry <laughs> pie. Yeah. With like a, a Nexus seven for the face. Like, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what'd you think about it? Like, I, I think, uh. She's pretty hot in bed. I think she passed. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Do they make fancy flashlights that vibrate? Surely they must do by now. 
Oh yeah, I'm sure God. I mean, well, I mean, porn leads the tech industry, oddly enough. But uh, I'm trying to think of anything else about this movie. Yeah, whenever uh, he finds out about the past uh, projects and the past, uh, and he, when he figures out the other girl's a robot, that's the big spoiler, you know, which isn't really a spoiler. But yeah, that's what they obvious, isn't it? Yeah, that's what they start really taking off, you know. But that's when he starts cutting himself up, thinking he's a robot, and that's kind of why dude's so weird. He just lives with these robots, and that's absolutely it by himself. Some of those robot scenes were really weird, and they were like beating the the door till their arms came apart. I was like, holy yeah. god! Yeah, and when like towards the end, when he starts beating the robots, and like they they beat the Japanese ones, smash their face in and stuff. That I mean, that brings us back to what you were talking about at the beginning, like. It, it's sort of it's almost violence against women isn't it even though it's just a machine it's it's like punching my laptop or whatever what's the difference or chucking a raspberry pi on the floor and stamping on it but but because it's you know it seems like we've kind of um made it seem like a person and it's where does that line you know where do you draw that line because if it has got consciousness you know if it uh looks like a duck and quacks like a duck that whole thing you know, if if it looks like a woman and can think and speak like a woman, then you know, does it have rights like a like a person? You know, not necessarily just a woman, but if it looks like a human and thinks like a human, does it have human rights? And does killing it, turning it off, which is was the kind of threat of you know the ultimate threat here, is that murder? And you know, that seems like a ridiculous thing to say, but eventually we're going to be faced with these questions. The scary thing is we can't even handle concepts about like how or when to fly drones or quadcopters and the rules for that. And I have no idea how we're going to set rules for like robots. I think there's another book I've been made to read like robot and sex or something or robot plus sex. It was just talking about the whole robotics industry and how it's going to change so much. Cause I've often thought about writing like a book, which would be like just some kind of fiction thriller where you find out like it's kind of like set in the future and there'd be a couple of ro- you know robots everywhere, but one robot's like killing people because it, it kind of hit me the same thing you're saying. If you were to have a robot kill people, how would you judge him? Because you'd have to have a jury by your peers. And what are you going to put on the jury stand? And that was kind of my mindset with what the, where the book was kind of going to go. Yeah, well, I mean, that was slightly addressed in the movie version of um, iRobot where at the beginning of that, and I don't think this is a spoiler, it's like 10 years old, but at the beginning of that, um, the robot essentially kills his master, the the scientist who built him, and then the boss of the company says, you know, well, even if the robot did do it, which is impossible, but even if he did do it, how can it be murder? It would be an industrial accident because it's a machine. And, you know, that that gets into those philosophical questions, doesn't it? Yeah, and what's funny about that is in that robotics book I keep talking about nonstop. Um, this is so Isaac Asimov wrote some books back in the day that had the three laws of robotics, and they kind of I think talking about an iRobot. And the funny thing is that's a science fiction writer with science fiction ideas. Okay, in that robotics book I talked about, which is a nonfiction book, they talked to a pretty well-known robotic scientist, and he says that. At these big meetings they're starting to have more of about robots and drones, people reference these three rules of robotics nonstop. And he's he's like, I told everybody one day in a meeting, there's like, does anyone is it scare anybody that we're referencing a sci-fi book for how we're gonna run this that aren't is not is not true and has never been true? 
And we don't know if it ever will be true. But for some reason, we feel like, hey, that's going to violate one of the laws of robotics. Like, when did that become de facto? Like, it was made up, guys. But, like, that's how far behind we are with, which it goes like what we talk about all the time, technology. Technology is going so fast that it's hard for us to justify using the Internet for, like, banking or something. But you're talking about artificial intelligence. Technology is moving so quick, yet we don't even know how to even begin to, like, uh, reference like, is it alive? Is it dead? You know, what do you, what rights does it have? Like, I don't think we'll ever, that, that's, I have no idea if we'll ever reach that point. There's a Star Trek episode like that, too. So, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, next generation. I think, uh, somebody starts saying that data is like, uh, not a human or something like that. There's no rights to them. Or there's a few episodes like that where data always goes to bat. I'm afraid, too, building on that, that we're very, I think everyone's building AIs thinking we're going to produce data, which would be yeah. cool, but I don't think, I think you need to understand, like, it's if it's really intelligent, it's got its own thinking. And I don't think data is always going to be what shows up. So all in all, we wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't a great movie. But I would say, I don't know, I'm torn between seven and a half and eight out of ten. But I don't know, it's good, definitely worth a watch. But I've seen better. But uh, just because of the plot holes, I think, that did annoy me a little bit. But still a great movie. Yeah, if you're into tech stuff or programming or anything of that nature or Turing test or dancing, then you should definitely check out this movie. Okay then. So I think it was the third episode of this show when it was back in the the olden days when it was just me. I talked about the podcast that I had got into recording and how I got started and also the ones that I was listening to. And I suppose it's about that time for you then. And you put a list of a surprisingly short list in this doc of the podcasts that you currently listen to. And it seems like half of them are mine. So, uh, as, as in yours, it's like literally yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So apart from this one that you listen to briefly and obviously Linux, Luddites and Mintcast, which we don't need to talk too much about, I don't think. What else do you listen to? Yeah, so in podcast in general, I've only been getting into it for the past couple of years and or a little bit longer than that, I'd say probably about four to five years actually now I think about it. But I don't really have too in depth a list, I guess because the only time I listen to podcasts now is at work. And I also listen to music at work, so I kinda alternate the two of those. And well, don't you have a commute then? Yeah, but the problem is, is, so it's on the subway here, and the subway doesn't have any, like, cell Wi-Fi network underground. So, like, I used to listen to audiobooks.com a lot, and I would just get an audiobook and listen to it. But then you can't download the book, you know? So some of these podcasts I could probably download, but it's so freaking loud on there. that. And also, I just I pretty much read. I read all the oh, time. Oh, yeah, maybe you said that, that you just read loads. So. Yeah, I read okay. a load. So, like, uh, so I usually just read on the uh on my commute for the most part and then listen to podcasts when I get home. And it's kind of hard too, with like so many podcasts to keep up with what's going on. So, and you don't listen at night in bed then? No, no, I I pretty much read until I I fall asleep. And I also goof off with work. Work is, I I have a problem about working too much. And then, uh, now that I'm trying to help out with the mint stuff, that's becoming more of a thing, which I really screwed up my computer doing that the other day. (laughs) Uh, You need a test box for doing stuff. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, me and Linux distros and wireless cards do not get along. But anyway, then uh, that's about it. You know, at night I just code and read coding and I just code. Literally, I code. And now with this meetup stuff starting to take off, I'm trying to like get people to meet up for this pie thing and do this Linux com- charity thing, you know, which I think it take off really well. But, but anyway, back to the podcast list. 
So yeah, there's Luddites, Mitcast, and uh, there's a How Did This Get Made? So there's a show here in the States called uh, uh, The League, which is about fantasy football. And it's, there's about like, it's all, it's nothing but comedians on it. But out of those group of comedians, uh, two of them make up this podcast, How Did This Get Made? And they pretty much just watch movies and they just really work the movie over. Like they take in-depth details, but they sometimes talk to another comedian. It's really funny watching that or listening to it. So that's one of my always listen to. And I'd highly recommend that one if you want a good laugh out of your day. And But there's heavy cussing. Be aware of that. And that's, is it in front of a live audience usually? So, sometimes it is. The first, so they're probably on episode, between each episode, they have a like mini episode where he kind of like talks about all the people that like wrote and wrote in or hit him up on Twitter. And uh, they sometimes, now they've gotten a little bit bigger. I was going to say they're probably about like 70 episodes. And the first so many weren't live and they start doing them live. And because they had such a feedback, I mean, such a sellout crowd all the time, they start doing live more often. So they'll do them sometimes live, but they'll warn you before the show if it's live or not. Okay. But I think they only do it like in LA and New York. That's the only place they do these things. But that's really, it's really a really good, uh, good podcast. Then there's, uh, so I'm a big Oakland Raider fan, which is an NFL team here in the States. And then there's the, that's Sullivan one of their podcasts, the Raider Nation podcast. So that's and, uh, Hand Egg, yeah. What is that? Well, it's not football, is it? You don't. Yeah, that's around. what I was gonna say. Yeah, it's the American football. There we go. But um, it's ran by a guy who is a diehard Raiders fan who lives in Oakland. And if you're a big Raiders fan, I would highly recommend listening to this. There's a one eight hundred number you can call in to kind of rant that he has a voicemail tied up with, and he'll read. He'll like play those live on the show. And I'm a heavy caller on that, and it is heavy cussing. That is literally all it is. So be wary of that one. If you're if you don't like cuss words, then do not listen to that one. That's all it is. And moving on, I listen to Test Talks, which is I can't think of the guy's name, Joe Palomino, Palomitro, something like that. Anyway, he's a big tester and he talks to people about testing. It is complete um complete software related stuff. Just talking about how to test your your code, how to automate your test. It's some pretty good useful stuff. So I listen to that on occasions. I'd recommend if you're into that stuff or trying to get more into testing your software, I would recommend that. Then there's Linux Voice. I like I like Linux Voice and I don't like Linux Voice for the same reason I do don't like Linux. I mean Ubuntu podcasts and do like it. They have really good talks. I really apologize if they're listening to this. Any of these guys, but I, here's the yeah. Op they, has been known to listen to this when I started. So here, uh, but here's the take on this. Sorry, I apologize right now. I love all the guys that are and and women who make up both these podcasts and they have great points, but they have too many people and it gets a little overwhelming what's going on. I sometimes lose track of what they're talking about because there's too many of them and I'm afraid they can't everybody get their viewpoint in because of what's going on. So they kind of hit a topic and quickly get off of it. I noticed that more in the Ubuntu one because they have a time. Yeah. They have a very strict time limit on there. Yeah. It's, um, Half like an hour. 30, yeah. As I was gonna say, it has to be 30 minutes because no more, no less than that usually. The voice guys aren't nearly as bad about that, but um, both of those are pretty good podcasts. I do I do listen to them, even though I, yeah, I told you I wasn't a fan of them. And, but that's the main reason. They just have too many people that I just can't. It's hard to hold my attention, I guess. I don't know really what's going on. And I think like with Luddites and Mintcast, I, think, I really think three is the best number of people. Three. No more. You can have less. 
two or three, but three is as perfect as it gets. I think with three people, you can talk long enough and not carry on, stay on point and cover enough topics. I think three is the, the magic number for podcasting. If you're doing technical talks. You think that it's just too much of a shallow look at it then because just everyone's kind of trying to say their bit and no one can really speak in depth about it because there just isn't time if you've got four or more people. I think it's that. Yeah, I think it, Yeah, I think you're right. It has something to do with that. I think it's too, it's a podcast. It's like a radio show. It's kind of hard. It's one thing to see the people. You can see all them talking, you know? Yeah, you if they sound similar to each other as well. Yeah, really and when people start sound similar, it's hard to be like, who what? And especially if you never really listen to it, you don't know whose voice is who versus when I watch like a show with like commentators, it's easy to say, see who's who and associate their feelings with that person. So that's just kind of my take on those two. But I, I, I would recommend anybody listen to those for sure. Well, spoiler, in a couple of weeks, I'm going on the Ubuntu one. Yeah, well, well, well let me know what you think, you know, if it's... Because it's going to be a, a definitely a different world for you because you're going to have to be like, quit talking because it's time's almost up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and they record two shows back to back every two weeks and um, a couple of them are away. So they asked me, well, Popey asked me to, to be on there. And, uh, and then yesterday he emailed me, right, are you ready for tonight then? I was like, uh, what? Isn't it in two weeks? And he's like, oh, oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, I'd like totally not prepared or anything for it. So uh yeah, that should be good fun though. Like to get on yet another Linux podcast. I'm kind of trying to take over. I think it'd be stuff. cool. I think it'd be cool for you. I'd, let me know how that goes though, because I'm kind of curious. Because I've listened to it, and I'm just like, I mean, literally, I'll be working, and that's another thing is when I work, I'm listening to while I work, so I kind of zone out on like, I like some kind of weird medium of work in the podcast. And if they don't like stand out to me, it just kind of like, and like especially with the Ubuntu one, it'll just let me over, and I'm just like, that's it. And then and then it hits me that, oh wait a minute, you know, they only allowed to do it for thirty minutes. Yeah. And so then after that, I, listen, I used to listen to the Java Posse, which was a Java podcast, and they weren't too bad. But their biggest downfall, well, besides the fact that they're no longer doing it, was that they had no, they just did it live sometimes in a conference. And I, it was just so much static. I could not hear anything. As their topic sometimes would get really drone on too, because as much as I love the code, you cannot talk about like maps and lists 24 7 and expect everybody to stay like really untuned so then it's quite funny that a podcast about java has become obsolete funny that <laughs> that is crazy but java's taken off we oddly enough but yeah the really? podcast is yeah i mean yeah oracle owns it now so oracle is like not goofing off anymore like yeah. they're pushing a new version of java that's why you you have a windows computer and you see like you have a java sdk update or i mean a java jdk it's just non-stop fair enough because Oracle just isn't stopping it. And then I listened to Git Minutes, which is a, a podcast about Git, which I use at work. And then there's the Change Log, which they're really cool. They cover like the most in-depth, latest, cool, hot software stuff going on. And the people are usually really involved with it. So I'd highly recommend the Change Log. But if you notice like a going trend here, most of these are software-related concepts. I'm listening yeah, to. It's, it's like all either coding or Linux. Apart from, The only one that stands out is... Um, well, there's two there, aren't there? There's the the one about the hand egg and then the one about the movies. So, well, Real quick, the movie one, how did this get made? They're part of a larger umbrella called Earwolf, which is made up of at least 15 other comedian podcasts. Because there's one called, uh, oh, called Nerd Poker, which is five comedians who have been playing Dungeons & Dragons for the past, like, two years. And they do a podcast of their Dungeons & Dragons sessions. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the funniest things to listen to because one of them, 
his character started learning to talk to animals, and he was so happy. And they try to stay in character, but it's always funny when they break character. And one of his buddies, one of the other comedians, would be like, because so-and-so is asleep and I really hate his dog, I'm going to roll. If I roll a seven, I'm going to kick it while he's sleeping. It was like he was always trying to kill his buddy's dog. And they would break character, you know, be like, dude, why in the F are you doing this? You know, like in the middle of like playing the game. Like, I thought, you know, are you in character right now? Or are you being serious? It was like. <laughs> that reminds me a little bit, although it sounds a bit different, but the, the concept of it, of this guy called Richard Herring, who does the Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast, or Rahulistapur, which all the cool kids call it. Um, and that's like interviewing guests and that's kind of his main um, thing that's done in front of an audience and that's his main podcast. But he does another one. Um, I can't remember what it's called now, but he, do you know what snooker is? It's like pool, but bigger table and stuff. Oh yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, and so he plays himself at snooker, um, like me and me too. And he like keeps score and he's really competitive and he so he just like plays himself at snooker and talks about it. You know, he records himself playing and commentates <laughs> on it. And he said that he started out with like 20,000 listeners and now it's down to about 5,000 and he's going to keep doing it until no one is listening until <laughs> nobody downloads it. And it sounds kind of similar, really like recording yourself playing D and D, but uh, at least but, there's more people on that one. But yeah, that, so the, how this get made, they're just part of a larger corporation that does nothing but podcast of all I mean, just lots of comedians you'd recognize from TV shows that are part of it. You know, they're more into that scene. So it's, I'd recommend, like, if you don't like how this get made, I would check out Earwolf because they have a load of other ones there. Like, comedians talking about fish songs. And yeah. I don't know. There's just a bunch of others. But, yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. It's really just, like, software. And then there's, like, two things. I'm You know, one makes me laugh. And the other one, they're all just things I'm interested in, really. That's my podcasting. Okay, then. Right. Well, um, let's talk about a bit of feedback that we got. So if you want to get in touch, you can leave a comment on the website or you can email joeresspodcast at gmail.com. And I always forget to do that, but I'll put it in big red letters at the top of the feedback section. We didn't actually get very much this time, but um, what we did get, first one from Alex, who said, Hi, Joe, thanks for the mention. Since you refer to it all the time, I thought I would tell you my favorite conspiracy theory. The idea of wearing a tinfoil hat to prevent mind reading and control is actually a deliberate GCHQ disinformation campaign. They do this because wearing a foil hat would act as an antenna amplifying your brain waves so they can read them more easily. I'm not sure about that. And he also talked about using conspiracy and theory together um, comes from, I think, JFK. I'm not sure about that, but let's deal with the tinfoil hat thing first. Now, I used to talk a lot about this with Gareth when I used to do the Mind Tech podcast, what feels like years ago now. And he said that he actually tried with his phone. And so if you take your phone, wrap it in tinfoil, and then try and call it, it'll just go straight to voicemail. And then take it out of the tinfoil, try and call it again, and it rings. And he, he showed his daughter that, and she was really amazed by it. So the idea that a tinfoil hat could protect you from people reading your brainwaves. I don't know. It seems a bit far-fetched and crazy, but if it works for a phone, maybe it would work for a brain. I don't know. Yeah. I meant to research this in depth and things just kind of got going for me and I totally forgot, but I'm very curious on, on a lot of these, these ideas. 
I'm, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to read more on this. I'm, I really want to test some of this out. <laughs> mm. But as for the conspiracy theory, I've seen a lot of um, talk about this before. If you say to the average person, you know, if you kind of do word association, um, and, you know, you kind of say tooth, they'll say brush. You say conspiracy, they'll say theory. And that, I, I don't know, could it be that the, the powers that be that want to spread misinformation have made people associate the word conspiracy with theory to discredit any conspiracy theories. Like, I mean, I've, I've heard people say um, things like, not necessarily this example, but like, oh yeah, they never went to the moon. It was just a conspiracy theory. Like, and conspiracy theory has become a synonym for a conspiracy. And uh, I mean, take 9-11, that was a conspiracy. No matter which way you look at it, the official story is it was a conspiracy of 19 blokes with possibly some people in Afghanistan in caves, uh, but 19 blokes with Stanley Lives or box cutters, as you would call them, uh, and they used those to, to overpower the, the staff and the whatever, whatever, and took down the planes and crashed them into buildings, blah, blah, blah. But that was a conspiracy. And that's the, you know, that is the, the definition of a conspiracy is people getting together and doing stuff like that. Um, so that was a conspiracy. But any other alternative views on that are considered to be a conspiracy theory. And maybe 9-11 isn't a good example of it, but do, do you see what I'm getting at here? That the theory generally, I mean, uh, the theory of evolution is a, a prime example of why it's not that in the scientific sense. Or, or it's a, an example of the, the difference between the scientific meaning of theory. So the theory of evolution, um, backed by... Uh, evidence to prove a hypothesis and it becomes a theory and that theory is essentially fact of evolution whereas theory in the more colloquial everyday sense is uh what most people mean by uh, they the, the, what they mean is a hypothesis but they're actually talking this use the word theory i never really think about it i don't when i say conspiracy i don't do i don't think i say conspiracy theory but i mean i guess they go hand in hand but that would make sense. I mean, the way you word it was, you know, completely correct. You know, it's people get together a conspiracy and then the theory of like what you thought they were getting together for, you know, and since you can't prove it, it's, you know, the theory, you know, in theory of this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an interesting one that no doubt we'll come back to the whole tinfoil hat. I mean, I just use tinfoil hat as a, a joke really for conspiracy theorists and, you know, we didn't go to the moon and JFK was definitely grassy knoll and all that kind of stuff. Um, but interesting that Alex is actually, I think he actually believes it <laughs> that it's a, um, and he said he was going to follow up with some evidence, I think, but, uh, we'll have to see about that. Have you ever seen anybody wearing a tinfoil hat like in public? No, I've only seen photos on the internet. I've never seen anyone. I know someone yeah. who, well, I know someone through the internet who wrapped his router in tinfoil cause he, um, they were all wired in his house, he kind of lives in a house share situation and he convinced them all to run wires to the router, you know, proper ethernet. Um, and didn't realize he could just go into the settings and turn it off. So he'd, he made a video about how he was going to wrap it in tinfoil and how that actually did stop the wireless, um, signals. So, uh, I don't know, man, I, th I don't know why tinfoil would be, well, I mean, I say tinfoil, but it's actually aluminum foil these days. It hasn't been tin for probably 50 years or more, but, um, yeah, wrapping stuff in aluminium foil does seem to block certain types of radiation. 
So maybe there is something in it. Who knows? But Will got in touch with a few comments and, um, yeah, so I better plow through this because he's made a lot of good points. <laughs> so the first one, the Surface and iPad issue that Isaac mentioned was the NFL. Microsoft paid the NFL to have the coaches use Surfaces instead of clipboards while standing on the sidelines during games. And the TV announcers were referring to them as iPads. Yeah, which I can imagine Microsoft weren't very pleased about. Uh, he also said, a drone is just a vehicle that can move through some route, possibly to reach a destination or possibly to perform a task like farming or surveying without human feedback. So it's possible for quadcaptors to be drones. The delivery drones that Amazon and other companies are supposedly working on, but that just seems like a marketing scheme to me, are quadcopters. Yeah, so quadcopters can be drones, but they can be the planes. The ones that kill people in the Middle East look like planes, though, he says. Yeah, I, I suppose the, um, there's a bit of confusion there, and uh, he sort of cleared that up. He said, I don't know anything about British politics, but Joe's comments about UKIP having a mixture of reasonable and xenophobic policies makes some sense to me. I would guess that their perspective is that it would be nice to offer strong social welfare systems to support the less fortunate, but that any system like that will be weighed down by poor immigrants coming to take advantage of it unless immigration policy is strengthened at the same time. We have a similar interplay in the US where our immigration system is pretty dysfunctional with a lot of illegal immigrants providing valuable labour for the economy. Our conservative politicians want to reform the system, but only after our borders are made extremely secure, so that any immigration policy change that rewards current illegal residents does not encourage a new wave of illegal immigration. We're at an impasse because our moderate politicians doubt the conservatives will really follow through on reforming immigration if they get border security they want first. Yeah, they're all pretty decent points there, but I mean, uh, is it, am I being a hippie here? But like, this is an earth. We're all on a planet. Like you can't just divide it up and draw these arbitrary lines and say, just because you were born on one bit of it, you can't go to another one. I mean, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, we'll hit that nail on the head here about what's going on in America. But I mean, so in America, we're having this issue with like lots of immigrants are coming here, but that's, that's been how America's been since day one. and then. Equally, that's going on across the board in Europe. And, I mean, that's just natural that these people who live in these crab hole countries where, like, especially Central America. Central America is really bad, you know? Just the living conditions and gangs run everything. And it's if I live there, I don't, I don't blame them for wanting to come to America, you know? I mean, it's a better world and a better shot at them to live, you know, and have a chance at everything. So... I don't see why we like try to stop it happening, but yet want to have like the best country in the world. I mean, what do they plan on happening? Everybody just looking afar, like, hey, that's a really good place over there, but we're not gonna go hang out there or try and get in. I don't. I don't think it's ever gonna be the case. If you have a beautiful country, you're gonna and it's ran correctly with like smart citizens, nice citizens, and you try and do somewhat good for everybody, then people are naturally gonna want to leave there from their war torn, you know, countries. Yep. Exactly. But Will continued, regarding the NSA versus Google, many people have made that point, maybe I saw it first from Bruce Schneier or was it RMS, that it's not really a choice. With the way the agencies currently operate, any data that a company like Google has, the NSA, FBI, etc., can also access and can do so without your knowledge, though how much this power is used is not clear to me. My main fear from our surveillance state is that knowledge is power 
And these public-private data collecting entities are gathering a lot of knowledge. Their expressed mission statements are benign, but times can change and power can corrupt. Google is mainly an advertising business, and to me it's a slippery slope from advertising to targeted advertising to profiling, and from there to selling information to credit agencies, insurance companies, etc. The NSA is similar. Their practices might be fine if they always stick to their expressed mission of protecting the country, but the point has been made that Hitler and Stalin would love to have capabilities NSA has now. Godwin's law, I'm afraid, there, sir. Even without an extreme government, with so little public oversight, it seems like it would not be hard for a rogue actor to frame someone they didn't like, or for a less scrupulous Snowden to leak compromising documents about people he wanted to harm. So yeah, apart from um, the bringing Hitler into it, falling foul of Godwin's law there, pretty good points, I reckon. He brings up a good point about like the, this data concept, because recently here in the States, Radio Shack has gone bankrupt. And they've sold, like, all their stores off or whatever, closed them all. But I read an article the other day that Radio Shack, to help, like, recover some of their losses, is looking to sell the one thing they do have, which is all the data they've accumulated over all the years. And I cannot believe they're trying to sell this. And, you know, and a few people are, like, throwing, like, a really alerted to this to be like, because they know, and it's kind of the, the idea that data now is very valuable. You know, there's a lot of power in it. And Radio Shack has a lot of it. And the fact they're going to sell that is crazy because then that would be the essence of like me as a kid buying. Suddenly I might get something from Amazon and be like, hey, man, would you like to buy that radio remote control car you had when you were four? And be like, how did you know that? You know, suddenly like, oh, we looked at your date. Y'all, we got the data from Radio Shack. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. Like suddenly they have a lot of my past life. I didn't realize it's come back. Yeah, more likely it's more the kind of people who have been, I don't know, buying stuff to build bombs maybe or certainly communication equipment that is out of the ordinary. Surely that's the, how the people are kind of more interested in, domestic terrorists and all that. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a good point too. That's just a little crazy to me that they're going to, I don't think they're going to be able to sell it. You know, there's already kind of a lot of people throwing a fit about it, so I don't see that happening. But, mm. I mean, uh, hey, Will, by the way, if Will's listening, I will email you back. He sent me a pretty big email talking about coding and whatnot. We were talking about Python. I've been meaning to reply back to him, so sorry about that, Will. But, um, yeah, and uh, Will made some points about Linux Luddites donations as well, which I don't really <laughs> want to go into. It's just... <sighs> I read that and st- I couldn't stop laughing. I was like... <laughs> he kind of made the point that... Um, oh, I don't want to talk about it. It's the, the bottom line. I'm sick of it. Actually, we should have never brought it up, but someone called us on it and then we had to talk about it and then we've had more feedback and it's just... Are you I serious? Know. I only bring it up with you to like completely joke with you. You know, yeah. I I mean, I, I, I love giving you guys money because you do, you do me a great honor in like playing with, uh, well, one giving Patty like a better mic and, uh, playing with like all kinds of hardware. Cause it saves me like the money, which is way more than the money I give you guys. It's going to cost me to go get like a new Buntu phone, you know, and realize I hate it yeah. or something of that nature. So, God, you know, God bless you guys for doing that for me. I like really appreciate it, you know? So. Yeah, I keep forgetting that you donate, but yeah, that's a bit of a weird situation, but uh, I will keep at it. Give us more money. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I even let you on the air, man. Come on, that's got to be worth it. I know, talking. seriously. Actually, so people to realize I had to give more donations for that. So Yeah, I mean, well, that's something that um, we've talked about off air, me and Paddy, is um, that people 
often talk about like you know donating to Debian or Linux Mint or Fedora or whatever. Well, not Fedora because that's uh, part of Red Hat, but you know donating to projects. But you know you have to also support the people who advocate things uh, like uh, you know websites that promote Linux or publications or podcasts. You know because it's all about a whole ecosystem. It's not just about the projects and and the code and the people who write that code, you know, it's also like the artwork teams and the PR teams. And if we're ever going to get free software to the point where it can seriously challenge proprietary software, but uh, that's uh, anyway, more, more Linux stuff, which no doubt I'll cover on uh, Linux Loadouts at some point on Mintcast. Um, we also talked about the Mintcast editing and said he didn't notice it. Well, that's because I hardly did any, to be honest. I only did very, <laughs> very, very basic stuff. And the whole point of editing is that you shouldn't notice that I've done it. If you can, if you can hear an edit, then it's been done badly. Is the uh, the key? And I, because I do so much editing now, I I notice a lot of bad editing, and uh, it's really annoying. And uh, yeah, even even the way TV's edited and stuff and films starts to get to me because I just spend so much time editing audio, and it's essentially the same thing. Uh, but yeah, if you want to kind of read his comments in full, anyway, uh, check out the comments for episode ten. So again, as I said, the, probably the best way is joerestpodcast at gmail.com if you want to email us. Um, and I kind of forward anything on to Isaac there. Uh, or leave a comment on the website and then uh, you can engage with us directly. Although I have problems with uh, the WordPress app, which means that it doesn't really work with Capture. So the chances are you'll get a response on the show rather than in writing from me. But um, I suppose that's going to do it. Hopefully back in about two weeks, but who knows what's going to happen. But uh, cheers for coming on again, Isaac, and uh, hopefully see you all later. See you.